Hello and good afternoon. My name is Stephen Marcusano, and welcome to the first episode of a new podcast that I have started called Class and Perspectives, where we dive into many separate issues of the world and what's going on and offer different and new perspectives on these things. So today I wanted to talk about the French Yellow Vest movement <clears throat> and its importance in in what it stands for, its importance in mainly how many different uh, topics have been actually implemented within this uh, this movement and, and the different sides of it, you know, and, and how it started and whatnot. And I want to show at least a different perspective on how it, it applies outside of just France and also the United States, for example, as well. So the French Yellow Vest movement, it's nothing new. It's It's been something that has... You know, been going on since 2018, 2018, and um, you know, basically it started when uh, President Macron of France wanted to implement a, uh, a uh, eco tax, if you will, you know, like eco tax to reduce carbon emissions in France. It's part of this green movement, and the tax disproportionately affected working class. French men and women of of France, and uh, they they took issue to this. They took issue to this because this is not a this is not a, a effective means. If if you're trying to reduce carbon emissions, there are other ways that you can go about this. You could have taxed the producers of the fossil fuels, for instance. Um, you know, you could have you know proportionally put the wealth the the um, the burden of let's say the tax on. People that have the money, right? Well, French working, the French working class didn't appreciate this, and they went on strike. They they uh, they went on strike. They had massive protests around France, and eventually Macron did back off on this. But it didn't stop there. They continued this this protesting because they they realized that they have this collective power, right? There's something in America, for instance, they they didn't really show because they don't want Americans to be thinking this way as well. Oh, we strike together, you know, cross. Um, um, industries, right? If workers came together despite industry, you know, they put that part aside and they just identify themselves as workers. Well, I mean, that's an entirely different conversation because now you have a, ma- a way bigger population now striking. This is what happened in the Yellow Vest movement. And it, it spiraled from there to pension reform, uh, wages, uh, you know, increasing uh, the job labor market, you know, all these things that they believe Macron wasn't focusing on because he was too busy focusing on like the European Union, uh, issues outside of France and not focusing on the small France, French worker, right? Now, again, in, in the United States, they, they try to push away from this because, you know, this would, this would definitely be a threat to the status quo of people like Jeff Bezos and the Walton family and who owns Walmart, um, you know, the people like that, they who have control in, in media, like for example, Jeff Bezos controls, he owns the Washington Post. That's not a coincidence, right? This is how this is how thoughts are regulated in the United States or is it France? Um, this is this is not as pre- uh, relevant or prevalent. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, so France is this this bigger picture, this. But the, what's happening here, and even during COVID, it's it's part of this bigger picture of class. And this started in France and has materialized elsewhere, including the United States, with the Black Lives Matter movement that started in 2020. 
Uh, it's not the same thing, but it is actually quite similar. Uh, if you think about what the Black Lives Matter movement is calling for in terms of police reform, uh, you know, uh, uh, remanaging funds and budgetary uh, uh, spending, right? To to focus more now instead of on police and jails and you know nothing that's going to propel our society forward. Uh, now uh, the movement wants you know social reform, more money in education, you know outside of police and uh, and um, mental. Uh, what's that? Uh, mental, um, mental uh, 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 rehabilitation, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all about people coming together and realizing who is in control, right? The populist movements that we've been seeing, both on the left and right, more or less get it and also don't get it, right? So in the case of the right-wing populist movements that we've been saying in America, let's say, or, or Poland, or even Italy, right? They want, they look at the population and they don't like what they see because they want a homogenous group of people. They want homogenous Italians in Italy, homogenous Polish people in Poland, homogenous America in America, right? And this is very native nativist uh, perspective this is a nativist argument you know um but you know taken to a more materialized level where they're you know winning seats in their respective parliaments or congress in the united states um but they miss the, the main point the main point of these movements and who is really at fault it's not immigrants sure they play a minor uh budgetary uh, strain, strain, but it's it's not nearly it's not nearly the problem. I mean, they're talking in the United States, billions of dollars going into like the Pentagon, for instance, right? Uh, military, the military industrial complex is a very real problem, a very real thing, and no one's really talking about that. Everyone wants to focus on immigrants on the right side. They say immigrants are the problem. They're taking jobs. They're murderers. They're rapists. It's just it's it's stereotypical conjuncture. That's all that is. I mean, again, there's always some elements of truth, but that's no different than in America, the white man shooting up schools. Most school shooters have been white kids, right? So, you know, that's not really a, a, a unique facet of being an immigrant. That's a facet of being a human being. You know, there are people that are forced into bad situations and make bad options. There are people in good situations that make bad options, you know, and that's just being human, you know, we have faults and they're quite severe, but that's not because you're an immigrant, you know, um, but I digress, you know, uh, the right <clears throat> is missing the point with, 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 with the problem and who is the problem and what we can do to fix this wealth inequality, right? And this is what the left populists seem to understand more about class. If you unify behind class and you identify as class, not, not, not as race, not as culture, not even language, but class, and you unify based off of that, your strength increases tenfold, right? And this makes sense. You're incorporating a bigger uh, uh, percentage of the population now into your thinking. So you're no longer limited by arbitrary uh, factors. You know? I mean, race is important, 
but it shouldn't be what society identifies its people as. It should be about where they fall in line in the service sector or in the production of the, the Z services or the production of goods. You know, I mean, this is a very basic relationship that almost everybody can almost actually everybody can apply to that thinking into their work and what they do and how they can connect their position in society with other people. You know, money isn't an, a great indicator anymore. The middle class is largely arbitrary in its uh, valuing, in its positioning in society. They have more money than the working class, but they're still in the same shoes, a lot of them. A lot of them are working for somebody, producing something for somebody, and their wages haven't gone up either, like the working class. The benefits have either been stagnated or reduced, and there is a push against unions. Because unionization is another connecting word. And connection words are not what the owners of, you know, production services, you know, the owners of society, essentially, want. Right. Now, I worked at Amazon for a couple, uh, I worked the summer and I worked uh, 10 months at a separate facility than my first job at Amazon in that summer. And there is no union, right, in Amazon. They have minimal benefits. They have rates. Those workers have to maintain rates every day. And there's no protections. And they're, they, you know, the, the turnover rate is insane. It's crazy. I mean, I, when I worked there, my class of people that, uh, I mean, class isn't like a, like a group, like a classroom type thing. They, they, of all the, the whole classroom that I worked with, only maybe like two or three of us were still there by Let's see, I started in May that, that year, and by August, there was only two or three of us left. So they were all gone. They all got fired for not making a rate. You know, they accumulated, uh, not, uh, actually, that's the point system would be for part-time, but they, they ran out of their hours, you know, their UTP, their unpaid time off, and, you know, and there's no protections. People just go in and out in places like that. Walmart, I have a friend of mine that works at a Walmart. 21% of the population, in fact, in the United States works at a Walmart, and it's even worse there. And there's like no management, you know, it's, it's a free for all. And again, no union, you know, so these people, and the reason why I bring this up is because the workers there are disillusioned. They, you know, they have very little hope of getting out of jobs like that because of the cost of, you know, getting a, a bachelor's today, a bachelor's of arts, bachelor's of science, etc. cetera. Um, it's gone up astronomical, you know, and, um, you know, there is, little in the way of wage increase for someone like themselves to be able to afford that, let alone people with bachelors, uh, and even masters in some, some, some fields. But, you know, in France, though, like, like we were saying earlier, like I was saying earlier, France, these workers are united. There is a united front. And yes, there are different groups within these, these, this, this protest, the Yellow Vest movement, but it's still a worker's are uh, workers protest, the workers fight, and what you know, the United States, Black Lives Matter, needs to, in my opinion, translate to this. Right, they need to translate to a more class-based perspective than racial, and that's not to say that the racial component of Black Lives Matter is unimportant or or arbitrary. It is real. You know, systemic racism is a very real problem, and anybody that says it isn't is probably some white 
individual who has no concept of what they're arguing against. Uh, that's that's just my experience when when talking about this. That's who's usually been defending it. I'm not trying to stereotype. That's just been my experience with it. These are real issues, but it could empower the Black Lives Matter movement more to call out these the ones that are allowing this to happen. The politicians, the owners of the private sector in in, in its largest capacity. So again, like Amazon, for example, Walmart, Target, yeah. Um, If they did that, they would increase the supporters. And then white working class Americans, specifically older ones, would be able to relate more. They wouldn't, because they, they look at the Black Lives Matter movement and they're saying, well, I am struggling too, making paycheck to paycheck. I feel like I have been stuck at the same wage for the last decade. My benefits haven't gone up either, but you're not in, I'm not included because this is a racial conversation about systemic racism, which again is true, but they can't relate to that because they are not black in this case, right? So if they were to make it more class-based, you could still discuss the racial issues, but then bring out the other issues in society and really strengthen like we saw in France, and Macron did have to, with these protests that happened in France, he did have to bring the tax back. And then from there, they continued to push him on other things, and he had to acquiesce even more, right? So, you know, these things ha- these things that are happening have effects, you know? I mean, you know, to a Marxist, this is still not enough, but, you know, in terms of socialists... And and progressivism, this is progress, right? And I say Marxist in the communist sense. When I say that, that wouldn't be enough. Um, but you know, to to a socialist, and you know, Marx would understand. would register these victories as false victories because ultimately the control is still at the top with the bourgeois. Um, but you know, besides that point, you know, there's still progress being made here. You know, and the media wants to show these these protests as violent that you know there is chaos it's anarchy it's it's the worst parts of humanity showing their ugly faces that's what the media wants to show right and it's just simply not true i mean there's again always elements of truth in these things but by and large the total uh, percentage of the population that is protesting is not anarchist, violent, you know, mobsters, you know, that are just trying to destroy society. There is an agenda. It doesn't always come across, but there is an agenda. You know, in the case of France, like we said, it was the it was the pension reform, it was the removing the tax, you know, and it was bringing uh, a spotlight on the deteriorating middle class that is seeing its cost of living increase and still not seeing the wage increase, right? I mean, that's also happening in Europe as well as the United States. This is not, you know, it's worse than the United States because there is a huge push against unions and therefore collective bargaining power. Whereas in Europe and specifically France, that is not the case. Unions are very strong and they're quite united. Um, but yeah, in, in um, it's not run by vi- by violent. The violence that you see is violence against private property which they want to blanket as violence against society. The fact is that 
these conversations were going on way before the destruction of private property happened with these protests, but no one gave it any credence. You know, in America, Colin Kaepernick, what he was talking about with, with the discrimination, the racial systemic discrimination of black Americans. But they laughed at him. They laughed him off the field. And he still doesn't have a job. And nothing changed. Right? He kneeled. It gained some movement. Sorry, some momentum. But it didn't materialize much or anything. But now suddenly private property is being damaged. Whoa! Things are moving along now. Those cops that killed George Floyd were arrested. It's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. When private property is damaged and private property and the means of sales and business, therefore, is being halted, private sector forces the hand of the public sector to do something. That's all cops are. That's all cops do. They're simply a means of the private sector. They're there before private property is even damaged. The cops, as you've seen in these protests. Yet, they don't, they're not there with, you know, in, in violent areas before somebody's murdered, right? You know, I'm not saying that this is all universal. You can disagree with me, but so just something. These are points that, that you have to at least acknowledge, right? So, you know, the, the destruction of private property is being guised as a violent, but None of these protesters are targeting human beings. No one's waking up going, today I'm killing Whitey, right? In the, in the case of the Black Lives Matter movement. No one's waking up and saying that, right? It's not a revolution. This is not a revolution. This is not a war, right? And in fact, many Black Lives Matter uh, protesters are white. You know, this is not just, you know, black Americans being alone and targeting white. In fact, they're not targeting white people, right? Well, that's what they want you to believe, right? Just like in France, when the French had their protest, and it's still going on, uh, maybe not physically, but there, it's not dead. The LFS movement. It's just because of COVID, been you know retracted for the moment. But in France, when when their protests were going on, the American media was portraying it again as this violent, chaotic mess. And yes, it was definitely more violent in terms of what was being targeted in the private property uh, uh, bracket, right? But it's still, at the end of the day, had an agenda, you know? And that there was always, in both protests, a small minority that, ideologically speaking, has none. And they were there to rock the boat. Right? And that's true. But you have to pay credence to to what is being said. You have to You have to listen and respect that these issues are real. And if you don't want to... You know, acknowledge that, so be it, but that doesn't make it any less real, you know. And we're back. So I want to continue this conversation about the yellow vest movement with, with why, why was it necessary, all right? You put this tax on... Okay, I mean, there's been other taxes, you know, especially in Europe where taxing is, you know, uh, a larger part of, of people's, you know, uh, lives, right? I mean, in terms of like the, compared to the United States where tech, you know, taxing is very negative 
uh, you know, even twenty percent is considered like excessive in America. Whereas in like you know Europe, it's much higher, uh, depending on obviously the country. But you know, like why 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 protest? Why now? Right? Why why then and there? And there, you know, the reason you know, like we were saying earlier, it's it's this focus, right? So clearly, there was a disconnect between the politicians that you know were in Parliament in France, the President Macron, and it's his people, right? If people felt that their government was very connected with them, then why would they, you know, a tax is a tax, you know, you legitimize it for nation, uh, for reasons of state, right? But um, no, 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 this, in this case, you know, clearly people have some, had had some, and still do, uh, have some resentment towards the government and what they're doing. And, you know, this is the whole thing with populism, you know, as we're seeing this, this disconnect you know, with, with the governments before, uh, and there's their people, and that's why populism exists because clearly there is a disconnect, and this is an alternative to what is right now being thrown. In the U.S. election, you know, we had in 2016, you had Hillary Clinton, who was really pro-establishment, pro-globalist candidate. You know, Donald Trump, who was uh, branding himself as a voice of the people. Right, he didn't win the popular vote, ironically, but he did win the presidency. There is something to that that is legitimate enough to discuss. The approach to the right wing, and you know, right wing is uh, uh, like Trump in, in the United States, um, and in France, Marine Marine Le Pen, uh, who you know lost to Macron, and Macron and Clinton, you know, are are part of this establishment banker you know, what have you, globalist, uh, basically, uh, normal, normal. And, and, you know, if, if, if you want to remove the right-wing populists and their legitimacy, you know, in terms of voters, then you have to address what they're protesting or they're, what they're calling out, what they're talking about. And that is the disconnect, right? You have to stop if you're establishment or if you're part of the normal outside of populism, you have to stop throwing candidates at people that are this globalist, connected, etc. Right? That's not to say that those those concepts are all bad. They're not I'm not saying that they're one hundred percent bad, but you need candidates that are gonna represent your people and the issues that your people are bringing up. Right? Right now, in 2020, in the United States, Joe Biden is the answer the Democrats have for Donald Trump. Luckily for COVID, I'm sorry, luckily for the world, COVID happened because honestly, I don't think Joe Biden would have won beforehand. Right? If the economy was strong, if people were working, they, they probably would have voted in Donald Trump again. Now, he could still win, but. I find it a little hard to see at this point, but anything's possible, I suppose. But, you know, Joe Biden, really? That is your answer? You know, and in France, Macron is almost looking as foolish as Joe Biden looks in the United States in terms of his disconnect. The Yellow Vest movement proves this. It proves that they voted for this establishment candidate and they, they being the people, are by and large upset. They they feel that he's once again falling in line with this disconnect that other politicians have had, and you know the vote against Marie, Marine Le Pen 
I'm going to just say Le Pen because I can't speak French. Le Pen in 20, uh, 2017's election, uh, you know, it shows that maybe next time she can win. And, you know, if she does win, then the establishment has no one to thank but themselves for that, for not doing really the basics. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're in a liberal democracy, people vote for you because they think that you have the interests of them in mind. I mean, that's a very basic definition of it, but it's true. So, you know, how, how you, you are aware of this, you're aware of the consequences of the right, um, you know, coming, coming back, um, you know, and you still do this. So, you know, it's not, it's not just the right that, that people are, it's not just people on the right that are going to support right wing movements. It's people that are disconnected. And the objective of left wing populists should be to combat this establishment and therefore combat the right wing, because that's the result of the establishment's failures, right? And in France, again, as we've seen, this is happening. This is happening with left-wing populism in, in this Yellow Vest movement. In the United States, it can happen. It can happen. We've seen Bernie Sanders, for instance, in the United States with left-wing populism. He is a left-wing populist candidate. He's progressive. He's grassroots. He wants to support from people. That's populism in its most basic sense. And he's left because, you know, his views are progressive in the, the United States language. Um the American language. So, you know, where does this leave us, right? Where where do we go from here? Because I think that's important. We'll take a brief recess again, and then we will conclude this episode of the podcast. So now I'd like to conclude what, you know, has been a lot of different ideas, you know, different perspectives about the, you know, class issues within, you know, the French Yellow Vest movement, but then also the American Black Lives Matter movement. Um, And, you know, these movements aren't going to just disappear, you know. I mean, I think this really started in 2008 with the uh, Great Recession in the United States and the, uh, what was it, the, um, the, was it, the, um, the Wall Street, you know, the the protest movement on Wall Street that, that happened, um, you know, right after that, you know, this is, this is a very, not new, these aren't new concepts, but this is resurfacing again, you know, these issues of class and these issues of, of, of a population that is being disconnected uh, from its leadership because its leadership is bought essentially, you know, and, you know, in France, this is, this was a result of a tax that started in America. It's the result of a murder of a, black American for having a quote counterfeit bill you know so where do we go from here what do we do I think that you know, people need to realize this is this is how we need to interpret structure this is how we need to interpret hierarchy not based off race not based off religion not based off language right these are all things that separate the worker, the working class, and the middle class, right? All these different arbitrary values, you know, culture. Now, these are important things you can practice in your house, 
but when you're outside of your house and you're in society and you're being screwed and you're your your perspective you're being screwed over by your boss or whoever you need to stop looking at these different values and saying oh i don't associate with them because they're different heritage different language different belief system uh, religiously we're actually more united than we give ourselves credit for right and you know we need to push that to the next step we need to keep going with that because it is important to 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 you to be united to affect change right now BLM is very close to doing that i think their i think their movement and what they have been advocating for is very much in line with what the reality of this country is, in America is experiencing today. I don't think that they're disillusioned. I don't think that they're wrong. I think that they, they could just make that step and incorporate more to have real power against people like you know Trump, against a disconnected, disconnected, sorry, disconnected uh, government. You know, and we could look to Europe for that. Europe, is this not something new? This is not a new concept. You know, this is. From the 19th century, we're talking about class. You know, this is when it was first uh, identified and, and written about, really. You know, 19th century was that time. And we're still talking about it. You know, the relevance is not, it's not dead. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to disappear. You know, everyone thought that with the fall of the Soviet Union, that that was it. Marxism is dead. It's far from it. Now, I'm not saying that the United States... Or Europe requires a full revolution, but I am saying that there are, there are critiques in Marx's writing that can be used to understand why things are happening today, right? Why we're still talking about race as an issue? Why people are still seeing stagnant wages, minimum benefits, while the top continues to make record profits? Right, right now during COVID, this is more relevant now than ever in the modern era or postmodern era, whatever you want to call it. There's just something to think about, you know, and I, I hope that, you know, this, this whole you know, podcast has, at least this first episode of this podcast has shown that you know, these are the issues where I, I like to talk about with people and hopefully other people will continue this conversation with their families and friends. You know, just because you talk about it doesn't make you radical, doesn't have to make you an ist. You could just identify these issues with a different perspective than what's being, you know, told to you via the media, via the politicians. You know, just think about your your life outside of your own context. Think about, you know, other, you know, areas of the world that are going through their own issues that are actually quite similar to your own. Maybe not always, but sometimes. That's all I'm suggesting with this this podcast and I hope that the similarities between the French Yellow Vest movement and the American Black Lives Matter you know, movement uh is shown. They're not completely, you know, disassociated from each other. They can both actually work together even to to build off of what they both learned. And, you know, really affect change. Change for people, change for workers, change for people that feel disillusioned by the cogs of the machine. You know, it's 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 not a great feeling to be to be in that position, you know, but people care. 
You know, you just got to listen. You listen and, you know, we can, we can really, as a society, progress for everybody and not just a handful. I hope this has been informative. I hope this has been, uh, you know, interesting. And I, I will, I look forward to seeing you all in the next podcast. Thank you.